Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new bracket America. Soccer new bracket America. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to Soccer New Rock in America, featuring Person Noob. That's my 11-year-old daughter. Hello! She's going to be helping us on the countdown duties today. Busy little middle schooler as she is. I'm going to help her out a little bit later on with her special segment. We'll have a couple of those throughout the show. But the main thing that we do is match many previews from all over the world. Ten of them. And that's just to start off before we get to the bonus matches. The best, most paramount matches from all over the world. As we decide that, we don't care if the country's big or small. We're looking at tournaments, too. If the match is important where it's being played, there's a really good chance that it's on our radar. This particular week, uh, we're going to be looking at matches. Our soccer week runs uh, Friday through Thursday. That's going to be the 23rd through the 28th here, or the 29th, rather, here in February. So, with no further ado, let's just jump right in with... March number one! Just can't wait to get to some of these great weekday matches. We're going to walk things backwards this week. little change of pace. Wednesday is your match number one. No Thursday matches. We're quite bright or shiny enough to make our final cut for the main 10. So we're headed for number one to the Copa Libertadores. That is the South American version of Europe's Champions League or a variety of other Continental Association's Champions Leagues. They're in the second of three qualifying rounds, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. Three teams advanced from the first qualifying round. There were only six there. 13 teams entered at this stage. No new entrants will be entering this round. Second qualifying round winners will play each other for the four open group stage berths when the quote-unquote event proper starts, as many would put it. Best-looking matchup to our eyes, Atletico Nacional out of Colombia. They will be playing host to Nacional out of Paraguay. Yeah, uh, there are a lot of a lot of Nacionals in South America. These are far from the only two. I promise I'll help us keep us straight. Uh, Nacional from Paraguay, they won the first leg 1-0. Now, can they make that hold up on the road? This being so close is why we chose this particular one. You can catch this one in English or Spanish on a couple different B-in sports channels at 7.30 in the evening Eastern Time U.S. on Wednesday. I love unique nicknames like this. Atletico Nacional out of Colombia, we always start with talking about the home teams, they are known as the Purse Lanes. Yeah, I believe they have typically have yellow flowers, low climbing plant, pretty cool. Uh, they are from, um, forgive me, I do still not know if it's Medellin or Medellin. I know in Argentina sometimes that double L doesn't turn into the Y. But in any event, uh, it is the second biggest city in the country. Metro area of a fair bit over 4 million these days. It's in the northwest part of the country. 
It was at one time, uh, back in the, like, the 1980s, one of the most dangerous cities in the world for violent crime. Yet in 2013, they won an award for particularly in this regard in helping curb that uh, to be one of the most innovative cities in the world. And largely, it wasn't due to necessarily more police or more jails, not that I'm necessarily against those things, don't want to delve into the politics, but they set up a lot more. A series of mayors spent a lot of money and time setting up public transportation from the outskirts, which is where more of the crime was, to the city center. One other interesting thing about this city amongst many uh, is the Paisa culture. It is one of five distinct kind of recognized uh, cultures in the nation. It's very, uh, very strongly connected to Spain, very Protestant work ethic thing going on, that sort of thing. Pretty high standard of living there, too. By the way, this is the number 21 ranked club in all of Combable, so they may not be one of your favorites to win it, but uh, they should be able to get through the qualifying rounds, I would say. Definitely your favorites here. And by the way, the Primera League of Colombia is ranked number three in all of CONCACAF. This team qualified with the fourth and final berth out of the nation of Colombia. They won the 2023 FA Cup, the knockout tournament. It wasn't based on their league play last year. Thusly, they had to enter in this round instead of a little bit later on. They have won this event twice, and most recently, 2016. Almost halfway through the 2024 Apertura or opening stage or mini season in that country, they're only 15th out of the 20 teams in the league. And the trouble has been on defense. They're giving up one and a half goals per match, and that doesn't sound horrible, but this is a pretty low-scoring league, at least this year. Team MVP, in my opinion, has been Abaro Angulo. He is a left back for them. Uh, clearly is a box-to-box player because he's already got two goals and an assist. And his tackle rate is just amazing. It's not the highest volume in the world, but he is 10 for 10 on those. Has an amazing block rate, and he is wonderful at dispossessing opponents. It is hard to keep an attack going. He is going to get the ball away from your forwards. Team's current form, they have lost four straight across all competitions. Does that open the door for your underdog, Nacional, out of Paraguay? Like so many of the teams in the top flight, they are from Asuncion. Uh, in fact, they have a program in this country, a sub-organization of the Football Association, uh, basically dedicated to trying to raise the level of play outside the capital city. Obrero, by the way, is a very working class neighborhood in the capital area, maybe about 20,000 people. They are known as the Academy. The Division Profesional is ranked number nine right now out of the 10 countries in Conmable. Club rank is number 84, so you can see there's some disparity between them and their hosts today. They advanced 3-1 to one on aggregate to this round over Ecuadorian side uh, AUKUS in the first qualifying round. 2014, they actually made it all the way to the final of this event, and they were the first Paraguayan club to ever get that far. Uh, currently, I believe they're in 12th place in their league's Apertura stage. I can't remember how many teams are in there, but let's just say uh, that's not very good. They are tied for second worst on offense, only getting a goal per match, and have the second worst defense in the league as well with two. They're far enough into those seasons, both these teams, that I want to read a fair bit into those stats, but given that they're both having their own struggles, this is going to be a really interesting match potentially. Key player to look for. Uh, best I can tell you is that the first qualifying round, their goal was scored by Dwayne Duarte. Fun guy to watch. It'll be interesting to see if he moves up into uh, bigger, more recognized clubs as he is just 21 years old. Team's current form, 
Uh, their loss to number seven at home, uh, Dos de Mayo, snapped a three-match win streak across all competitions. In terms of how to bet this, we're getting more into that. Uh, minus 175 for Atletico Nacional at home. You know, that's okay. That's reasonable. But a better bet if you want to do something Colombian uh, is to look at one of their league's matches. Uh, also a Wednesday match. Alianza, uh, pretty good team historically. They're getting plus 390 at Fortaleza. Alianza is a little better, and they're at home. Uh, if this were a coin flip, I would take Fortaleza. Uh, Fortaleza. But uh, this payout for them, oh, almost quadrupling your money? Yeah, that's spicy. Match number B. Number B, number B, it's the new number between one and three. Yeah, it's so much more couth than number two. Yuck, bathroom talk. Make the switch in your lives. Match number B, here it is a Tuesday match from the UEFA Women's Nations League. This is not their official continental championship. This is something to do in the off years. This is becoming a more and more popular thing than just giving teams friendlies to play uh, over their international breaks. And there's a little bit of stakes here in this inaugural version of the event. The results of this event will determine the leagues because there will be three of them within the European qualifying tournament. Well, many would disagree, and rightfully so, uh, with me and say, yes, that it is the trophy match, your first place title match between Spain and France on Wednesday, that is the most interesting one for this one coming up this week. I think that it's coming out of one of the uh, leagues other than the A-League. France and Spain, they're going to make the Euros. They're going to do very well. I'm a little bit more interested in seeing which teams can climb up because you can move from League C to League B to League A. There's promotion and relegation within them. And the better quality of competition you're playing in future years, uh, the better that could potentially be for your coefficient and seeding in other tournaments. Anyway, Iceland versus Serbia is the one we're going to look at. This is a promotion relegation match between Leagues A and B. Uh, here's how they got here. Iceland, they were in League A, but they finished in third place in their group of four. So they are at risk of relegation, not happening automatically. Serbia finished in second place in their League B group of four. And so they get a chance to move up if they can take Iceland out. Uh, this is a uh, two-legged affair. This is the second leg. The first one, Serbia managed a 1-1 draw at home. So now is an advantage to the favorites, Iceland. Iceland, they are simply known in their native language as Our Girls. Uh, their UEFA rank is number 12. I knew they were up and coming, but this seems like they've already arrived. Wow. And they're ranked number 14 in the world by FIFA. Uh, they finished right as they were predicted to in their group. They went 3-0-3 with a 4-8 goal differential. That was actually tied for worst in their group on offense, and they were only third best on defense in goal differential. Key player to look for, well, the most capped player by, the, by far that they have on this team. I couldn't readily tell who the captain was. 121 appearance for Glotus. Perla Vigos' daughter. She is a defender. She plays for the very excellent German side, Bayern Munich. Uh, Iceland, they have never been to the World Cup. They made the last four Euros, though, and those are their first four uh, European Championships uh, appearances ever. 2013's iteration, they made the quarterfinals, best they've ever done. And uh, we have a slight USA connection here in 2022, a tournament that's only been held a couple times or so. They finished in second place in the stateside tournament called the She Believes Cup. And I have to say it that way because uh, apparently what they don't believe in is putting a space between their word. It's very 
Uh, it's very specifically marketed as all one word with a capital B in the middle there. It's never really been made clear what she believes, but I believe Iceland uh, did very well in that event. Team Skur and Form, they've won their last two group stage matches. And now your visitors, the White Eagles of Serbia, 22nd ranked UEFA club, FIFA ranked number 36. They were actually seeded as the best of all the number Bs across the various groups. So they did as expected. Now the question is, can they take it a step further and beat Iceland on the road? In the group stage, they went 3-1-2 and two with a 10-5 and five goal differential. That was second best on offense and defense. And what was particularly impressive was they were only one shy of matching group winners Poland, who I want to say beat them by six points. So they only scored one less goal and only gave up one more goal. They are captained by Violeta Slovich. She is a defender who plays for domestic side Spartak Sabotica. This team has never made the World Cup, but they had a really big, big win in the 2020 three years qualifiers. They beat Germany. I want to say it was either three to two or two to three, probably three to two probably at home, but no matter where you beat the German national team, that is an excellent scalp to get. Um, they have never qualified that said for the European championships teams current form. They're one, one and one in their last three group stage matches. My betting advice, uh, Iceland, you're going to find something probably in the low, uh, minus two nineties They're fairly heavy favorites. I think that's fair because I was, uh, checking their stats. They appear to be able to play in both, uh, uh, somewhat high scoring affairs and in lower affairs. I think they'll be able to make the pace what they want at home. Match number three. Our next Tuesday match and our final one brings us back stateside for the CONCACAF Champions Cup, formerly called the Champions League. It is still a Champions League, and such things are relatively defined. They are in the first round, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie. We're going to take a quick peek at Houston versus St. Louis. Yes, the first year uh, Darlings expansion team last year. They're doing quite well. They won the first leg of this two-legged affair at home, two to one. Can they make it hold up now on the road? Uh, the winners are going to get to play Columbus in the round of 16. They got a bye by having a great season last year. But this is the time of show where I get a little anxious. And so rather than giving you a deep dive on this one, let's just figure out how to bet on it. And by figure out, I mean cheat. We're going to turn to our 3,500-year-old prognosticator, Noob Stradamus. His predictions are not always accurate, but they're fun when we can get a hold of him. Sometimes we have trouble. We're going to try to get another uh, Lotus Leaf-inspired, uh, drug-aided, drug-addled vision out of him. Let us know how to bet this. Take it away, oh ancient and mighty soothsayer. feel cheated. Sometimes getting a hold of a man of that magnitude is just difficult. If we were meant to bet on it, it would have happened, but we've got plenty of other advice to dispense when it comes to that. And you got to hear Houston area native. I think we were tuning in a Lyle. Love it. Pants is overrated. He's a, he's a fun and a funny guy, but Hey, what can you say? He was married to Julia Roberts at one point. Not bad. 
All right. So if you felt cheated, don't worry. We're not going to make you hop back on the uh, figurative plane. We're going to stay right here in CONCACAF, slide over to the women's side of action for the Gold Cup. That is the Continental Championship here for national teams, and they are in their group stage. The entire thing is being hosted right here in the U.S. There's a dozen teams remaining. They've been divided into three groups of four and are playing single round robin uh, events at uh, tournament venues across the U.S., this is the last match. The top two are going to advance. We're going to look at number one, uh, United States versus number B, Mexico. This will get played out in Carson, California. Uh, U.S. currently leading Mexico by two points. A uh, recent series between these two, USA have had a perfect 8-0-0 record. This is going to be a late tip for us East Coasters uh, because it starts at 10-15 our time. ESPN Deportes is going to be the place. All right, a little bit about your U.S. team. They are no longer number one. They have slipped down into second place in the FIFA rankings. Uh, they've already qualified for the knockout stages. They cannot do worse than second. They come into this match uh, having won both their matches with a perfect nine versus nil goal differential. Alex Morgan and Jaden Shaw have each scored a couple of goals. The gal I want you to look out for, she's only 18 years old. She's not as familiar with a lot of folks, and that is Olivia Moultrie. She's a midfielder that plays for Portland Thorns. She's already got three national team appearances, and she won your United States Soccer Federation 2023 U.S. Soccer Young Player of the Year Award. So it'll be fun to see how much time she's going to get in this one. They're in a unique situation, and I wonder how much this could potentially hurt them. Uh, Emma Hayes is going to be the incoming manager, but she is not ready to take over yet. She's finishing out, I believe, her league season in England. And so they've got an interim head coach, uh, Twyla Kilgore, and they're switching managements. Their last uh, guy retired, or managers, I should say, because of their disastrous uh, World Cup finish from last year. The team has won three World Cup titles. I honestly thought it was more. Last one was 2019. Uh, they've also won this event the last three times it's been held, and a total of eight Gold Cup titles are theirs. And now Mexico. Uh, they've all but mathematically qualified uh, for the next stage as well. They're in second, but they lead Argentina by three points in the table and 12 on goal differential. They would have to have a disastrous game against the U.S. and Argentina to do pretty well in their final game for them to end up going home. This is the third-ranked uh, team in all of CONCACAF. They are the best team that did not get a bye through the qualifying round. The other one was uh, Canada that finished between, uh, in that regard between U.S. and Mexico. They're 1-1-0 one, one here in the group stage, 8 versus no goal differential. They had a scoreless draw against Argentina. Key player to look for with two goals on the event is Lizbeth Ovalle. She is a winger who currently plays for Liga MX Femenil side UANL. She's already got 24 national team caps under her belt. She's been at it for about five years or so. This is a team with some experience. They have three people who are playing in the NWSL and I think pretty prominent roles. That said, they have not won a match in three World Cup appearances. Their most recent was 2015. Twice, though, they have finished runners-up in this event, and the last time they did that was 2010. They've only made the group stage their last two appearances, so seems like they uh, Im improved some over the last decade or so, but now might be treading water just a tiny bit at the highest levels. Now, that said, they have won titles in the Pan American Games and the Central American and Caribbean Games. Uh, they did the latter, I believe it was, in 2023. 
team's current form. I say treading water. Maybe that's not fair. Uh, some of this is just a level of competition that they're going against. But other than that draw against Argentina, they haven't done anything but win since at least the beginning of 2023. They even beat uh, the United States in Bridgeview, Illinois, in a friendly last April. All right, how to bet this? If you, uh, my suggestion is don't. But let's look at the line minus eight hundred for the uh, clearly heavy favorites, the U.S. That's a big investment for a small return. Uh, the draw is plus seven fifty that I found, and uh, for Mexico to win outright plus. 1300. Now that is a huge payoff, but given the history, I'm reticent uh, to point you towards that. If you really feel like you've got to have some juice on this one, the most sensible play might be the draw. Uh, it's simply possible since both are going to be move on, uh, moving on that we might see a scoreless or a, an unmotivated one, one draw out of this one. Match number five. Minnow watching time. We're headed to the FA Cup over in England, which has reached its round of 16 or the fifth qualifying round. And this is a historic match. Now, we always cover one match from this event each and every round, trying to pick the or one of the lowest ranked teams still left. Here's what I mean by that. For newer fans, the FA Cup is a knockout tournament, gets played in the calendar right alongside the lead play. Uh, the league play, but is completely separate. It's not quite like a bracketed NCAA tournament where you can see who your potential opponents are going to be in advance. They do a draw after every single round to see who you're going to play and who's going to be home or away. The matchup we're going to look at Coventry City, they play out of the championship or second division in England versus Maidstone United from the sixth level. No team from outside the professional leagues, the EFL, have made it this far since 1976-77. We talked about Maidstone a couple, three weeks ago during the fourth round and yeah, we'll visit them again. It's exciting. In fact, it's going to be on ESPN Plus here in the States, 245 Eastern Time on Monday. First, even though they're not the true reason we're here, let's talk a little bit about Coventry City. Uh, Coventry, it's in the West Midlands geographic area in England, right about in the center of the country, city of about 350,000. They actually won this event once back in the 1980s. They entered this iteration in the third qualifying round. Last round, they had to face off against fellow championship side Sheffield Wednesday. Sheffield managed a 1-1 draw at home when they played. They don't go to penalty kicks or anything like that. Instead, they do a replay, and you go to the other team's home turf, and that is where Coventry beat them handily 4-1. to On the scoring leaderboard for this event, and thusly a key player we want to watch out for, three goals for Callum O'Hare, English attacking midfielder who came up in his youth years with Aston Villa. Team's current form, uh, their loss at home to number eight Preston in league snapped a four-match unbeaten streak for them. All right, and now your minnows or underdogs, as we would call them, uh, this side of the Atlantic most commonly, Maidstone United. Uh, Maidstone is in the county of Kent, kind of the agricultural capital of England. It's about a, a half hour or so, well, 30 miles east-southeast of London proper. This is the closest county, is Kent, to continental Europe. So a lot of history over there with the French coming over and the English going over. Uh, historically, as I said, this is a key center for agriculture and transporting it because of their position on the river system. They play in a league called the National League, but not the National League Premier. They're in the uh, South uh, Division, which means it's level six. Teams all the way down to level 10 got to play in the various qualifying rounds for this one. 
biggest honor that they've probably had before in terms of cups at the very least. They won something called the Isthmian League Cup, which is a tournament for teams at the 7th and 8th levels back in 2013-14. They are known as the Stones, and as I mentioned a couple, three weeks ago, I absolutely love their crest. It's not particularly complicated, uh, all black background with a kind of uh, dark and yet bright amber for everything else. It's just pretty. Club was uh, is fairly young. They were founded in 1992. They had to enter back all the way in the uh, second qualifying round. So they get to second, third, and fourth qualifying rounds before they even had to start playing their handful of games to advance this far in this tournament. I wonder if they've got some tired legs going. Not so for Sam Korn, certainly. He is on the scoring leaderboard for this event with three. And we do have a USA connection. I don't know much about him, but we've got a guy who's eligible or is represented for the U.S. named Connor Kelly in midfield. In league play, by the way, just to give you a little bit broader view of what they're like, they're currently in eighth place out of the 24 teams. They're putting them just outside uh, the promotion playoffs. Their issue has been on offense. They're just not generating a ton. Uh, they'll try to keep this low scoring uh, if they can. Uh, they've got the fifth best defense in their own league, giving up one and a third goals per match. Kitties be sniffing around my ginger soda. You can't have it, but I will succumb to your other demands and give you a recap of last week's matches. Let's get into it. Last week, match number one. Our week started on Sunday for the Danish Super League, number B, Bromby versus number one, Me Too Land. Bromby got the 1 0 win, and they are now first place. All hail the new kings. I recommended not betting on this match. Instead, I said, you know what? Bet a different Danish win. Aarhus plus 105 to win at Bellier. That was a Monday match that ended in a nil-nil draw, sorry. Match number B was a Monday match from the AFC Cup quarterfinal, last second leg of the home and away, two-legged time. Out of Oman, it was Almada versus uh, the Bahrainians, Al-Rifa. Uh, the result was Nada in added extra time, getting a 3-1 win. That meant that they advanced 4-2 on aggregate. Congratulations to them, but not to those of us who betted on it. I had said to take Al-Rifa at plus 225. I liked the payout possibility there. Tuesday match number three was from the CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup USA versus Dominican Republic. USA got a big 5-0 win, no surprise there. Match number four from the microstate of San Marino in Europe, enclave in Italy. Their top flight is the Campionato. Number one, La Fiorita took on number B, Virtus. Virtus got a 0-1 win. They switched positions in the table. I couldn't even find betting odds for this league. So I recommended betting an Italian match on Thursday. That was uh, Torino plus 145 versus Lazio. And uh, y'all are going to come for me, aren't you? Lazio ended up winning nil two. Sorry about that. Match number five from the OFC Champions League uh, qualifier stage. Number one, Vetongo out of Tonga versus number B in their group, uh, Vevase Thai out of Samoa. They played to a nil-nil draw. No change in the table there. Wednesday match number six was from Major League Soccer, Inter-Miami versus Real Salt Lake, opening up the league season. I said uh, if you've got to bet on it, bet the draw plus 330 just because both teams are kind of still warming up. Well, Inter-Miami have been doing a little bit more on the friendly scene, and I guess it showed. They won 2-0. Though, Lynch beat match number seven from the CONCACAF Champions Cup. First round, first leg of the home and away two-legged tie. We took a look at Cavalry out of Canada versus Orlando from MLS. Orlando got a 0-3 win, a brace uh, was scored by Facundo Torres, guy we said to look out for. I said that betting Orlando minus 180 was okay for this. I thought a better value if you wanted to go America was to bet St. Louis plus 115 to beat Houston on Monday, and the result was a 2-1 win. So, hey, got a couple back for us. Maybe I'll get to survive till episode 177. 
the Lord willing. Match number eight, AFC Champions League round of 16. Uh, second leg of the home and away two-legged tie between Yokohama FC and Bangkok United. Yokohama got a 1-0 win. Anderson Lopez scored the winner on penalty on a penalty kick at the 122nd minute. The Yokohama advanced 3-2 on aggregate. I recommended not betting on this one. Instead, I said to go after a Champions League match between two South Korean teams. Uh, you were going to get historical power Gianbo plus 225 to win at Pohang Steelers. Uh, the result was another 1-1 draw. Back to missing. Whoops. Match number nine was a Thursday match from the Europa Conference League round of 32. Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie between Legia Warsaw and Molda out of Norway. I recommended not betting it. Instead, I said that you should bet Motor Lublin plus 180 from the second division in Poland at uh, Katowice. I'm going to pronounce it, or Katowice. And uh, yeah, I missed that one too. Katowice got a 2-0 win instead. But hey, Molda got a win. They won 0-3 on the road. Good job. Match number 10 from the Europa League round of 32. Second leg of the home and away two-legged tie between Sparta Prague and Galata Sarai out of Turkey. And it was Prague getting the 4-1 win. Slavia advanced 6-4 on uh on the total goals. I recommended not betting on this one. These seem to be two pretty evenly matched teams. If you wanted some check action, I recommended betting Templis plus 155 at home versus Sigma Olomouc. That looked like the public was getting it wrong. For a change, I was right. Templis did get a comfortable 2-0 home win. And now your bonus matches with explanations coming later. Thursday was a PRVA League Perva Liga match from Slovenia. Number one, Celia versus number 10, Rogashka. Celia got a comfortable 4-1 win. I said that betting minus 140 on Celia was just fine here, given that they're at home. But I thought an even better or more fun bet might be to bet Domzale plus 600 to beat Olympia, one of the historical powers. Uh, unfortunately, Olympia got the one no win. Back to losing the quid once again. And now your most meaningless match in the world. That was a Tuesday match for the Premier League in Egypt. It was number one, uh, number nine, rather, Ceramica Cleopatra versus number 10, El Guna. They played to a 1-1 draw. That was good enough to move each team up one slot in the standings. We stayed in Egypt for your match of Disappointed. It was a Wednesday match between number 17, Al Daklea, and number 18, last place, Farco. Uh, the result was a 1-1 draw. No real surprise there. Nobody gets to win in the match of Disappointed. Uh, for Daklea, guy we said to look for, uh, as the most disappointed in player, Karim Yahia. He had the weakest game on uh, the back line, according to the FOTMOB table. And Farco, uh, their worst player, Saif Thierry. He had the weakest game on the entire team. Ooh, no change in the table there, as is always appropriate, even if the teams aren't. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Now let's jump back into the upcoming week's match mini previews with... Match number six. Stateside once again, and we have walked backwards to our weekend chronologically. So this is a Sunday match from Major League Soccer. Yeah, things are just getting going. Uh, most interesting matchup, just because it's bi-coastal, is LA Galaxy versus Inter-Miami. And obviously with Luis Suarez and uh, Lionel Messi, you know, Inter-Miami, uh, they're the new team making big splashes with international players, a historically long-held trait of LA Galaxy, not maybe quite as much in recent years for them. But since I really don't have a lot of information to go on here, we'll touch base with a lot of these Major League Soccer games in a couple weeks. This is a great time for us to take a break. And while person who couldn't be here for this particular recording session, busy little middle schooler as she is, I am still going to uh, pay homage to her, if you will, and do Aminals from around the world. 
because she loves and cares about endangered animals. Or in this case, we're going to talk about one from Southern California, where obviously LA Galaxy are from, that is no longer endangered, but was fairly recently. So uh, good for everybody trying to get these uh, birds. Yes, it is a bird in this case, you know, uh, you know, conserved and, and get them breeding and going again. We're talking about Least Bell's Vario. Now, that's sort of a strange name, so bear with me here. First of all, the Vireo, uh, Bell's Vireo specifically, is a songbird that migrates very interestingly between its breeding range in Western North America, not just Southern California, and a winter range in Central America. So they have very specific places historically that they uh, live, but in both main seasons. Uh, it's a dull olive gray bird, usually kind of whitish on the bottom and has a faint white eye ring. That's how ornithologists can easily uh, spot it. And it's got really faint wing bars, a little bit harder to see. Now, as far as the name, it was uh, named uh, by the famous ornithologist, of course, John Audubon, uh, for a fellow bird studier, John Graham Bell. So the B is capitalized in the name. And uh, the least Bell's Vario, the least just refers to the population, I think, as it was doing so poorly for a while, uh, is or was an endangered subspecies of specifically Southern California. Uh, there's been a lot of consideration in this area for maintaining their riparian or river, uh, you know, uh, you know, river area habitats. A lot of developments have very controversially uh, been put on hold or scuttled entirely to try to protect their terrain near rivers. And that's been the major thing. There's no, there's nobody hunting these birds from the animal, you know, animal kingdom or humans for the most part. It's really been loss of habitat that created their issues. But they have moved back to area of least concern, according to the IUCN International. Oh, what is it? The stands for Union International Union for Cons Conservation of Nature. They've got their red list and red data book for species. And thankfully, uh, this one has become a footnote because it's doing somewhat better. A little bit about the bird. Now that you know about the color, it's a medium-sized songbird. Uh, it stands uh, a fair bit over four feet in length. Uh, weight is very small, just a couple, three ounces. Wingspan, maybe about seven inches or so. Now, the behavior, uh, or specifically in a way the lack of behavior, is one of the things that interests me about this bird the most. First, a little bit about where they live. I find it very interesting that they will, they will nest in both very dense shrubbery, and they nest deeply to stay camouflaged, although they will stand up and, you know, fight other, you know, birds if they come and try to do anything or other animals. Uh, they live in things called uh, mule fat shrubbery, California wild rose, mug rope, but they also like some trees like Fremont cottonwood and western poison oak, apparently not poisonous to them. Now, uh, the behavior or lack thereof, here's what I'm referring to that's so interesting. There's a different bird called a brown-headed cowbird uh, that is uh, parasitic of sorts to the least bells vireo. What they do is they come and lay their eggs in their nests. I don't know if they just don't make their own or if they just don't want to be parents, but it's like they drop off the eggs and then they actually let the vireos raise their young and the vireos actually do that. I find that absolutely fascinating. In fairly recent history, uh, the mid-1980s were sort of a low point for what I gather for this particular bird. Uh, it had been largely extirpated or disappeared uh, from most of its historic natural range, and there were only uh, thought to be about 600 birds statewide in California, uh, basically the area south of Santa Barbara, about eight counties. Those were the only places that you were 
going to find them. But the least Bells Vario numbers have increased sixfold, or, or did rather, over uh, until you get to the mid-late 90s, where the population size seemed to be estimated at closer to 4,000. So stopping the destruction of some of those habitats really helped. They've even been able to recolonize the Santa Clara uh, River Valley over in Ventura County and uh, San Bernardino County near the Mojave River. Again, they really like those riparian areas. And the most, if you really want to ever see this bird and you're out in that part of the country, ornithologists will tell you the easiest place to see it is to look around Marine Corps Base Camp Pendleton in San Diego County. They love the drainage ditches and systems over there emulate rivers for them in apparently very safe ways. And then you've got the Santa Margarita River nearby as well. So, you know what? Uh, you can go online, use your Google machine to find out what you can do to help protect these birds, uh, particularly out in California. Although some of its range does uh, stretch all the way to the Missouri River. That's where Audubon actually first found it. I think it was on the Missouri, actually. Let me correct that. But I'm sure there's lots of things you can do to help protect these and others endangered or once endangered birds. So thank you once again to my daughter for being such an advocate for making this a part of the show. I'm happy to do it in your stead. And this has been Aminals from Around the World. Match number seven. Back across the Atlantic yet again, like to log those frequent flyer miles. We're headed to the EFL Cup final. Now, this is not the FA Cup. I'm not even going to give you a lot about the two finalists. They're two of the biggest clubs in the world. You probably know plenty. Liverpool versus Chelsea. So this is just a, a shorter little bit here to let newer fans know about the tournament, just what it is. So a little bit, a little bit of review, uh, kind of take a bird's eye look at things. The most important tournament in England, and really in any country, is your premier or top uh, flight domestic league tournament. That is the trophy you want most. The FA Cup is the top knockout tournament in place like England. Again, you get teams from all the way down to the 10th level. That's a little deeper than most anywhere else, but you get the idea. And then there are league cups in many, many countries around the world, including, of course, right here. And that is the third most important trophy. A lot of people are against these tournaments, especially places like England, just because of what they call match congestion, that they're just expecting these top flight players, even as much as they're getting paid, to just have to play too often that it's affecting the overall quality of play, both in this event and in the other events that they have to play in, because all these tournaments take place in the same part of the calendar. Now, this match is going to be played at Wembley Stadium, and the winner officially qualifies for the 2024-25 Europa Conference League berth. Now, let me back that up again for newer fans. Champions League is where all the best teams go from the various leagues. The second best international club tournament is the Europa League every year. And then a few years ago, they added a third one, the Europa Conference League. Now, if the team that wins this event, this is fairly likely most years, uh, qualifies for uh, any of those three tournaments through league play or the FA Cup, then that berth uh, for the Europa Conference League will slide to the seventh place team in the Premier League. So your Premier League standings become important once again. Now, they call this the Moose Cup, uh, and I'm not really sure why. Uh, the corporate, uh, the sponsor name, if you will, is the Carabao Cup, uh, Carabao being an energy drink. I'm not sure they're as big here in the States as they are in England and some other parts of the world, but the Carabao is like a, it's a, it's a water buffalo from uh, Thailand. It's not particularly 
related to the moose. Maybe there's some other you know, connection or association with the moose that I don't know about. You can find me at uh, uh, Soccer Noob USA on Twitter if you want to talk shop and let me know why on earth it's called the Moose Cup. Now, this tournament is only open to clubs in the top four leagues. Compare that to the FA Cup where they go down to the top 10. All right, Liverpool. Uh, they have won a record nine titles, most recently 2021-22, and I believe it was them that two or three years ago, and this isn't that uncommon to do this to a degree, uh, but they had reached the knockout stage for this event, and their coach was so worried about match congestion that he said he didn't even go. It's not uncommon for you know teams to rest their starters, play a lot of reserves, maybe even call up you know some higher end youth players. They sent their entire, I believe, it's U twenty three or U twenty one team to play. They thought, you know what, if we get close to the trophy, we'll send some of our you know our, our higher grade players, but we're going to give them a rest. And they sent their team and their coach. And they won and got to continue to advance. This might have even been the year that Liverpool ultimately won at one of those times. Now, this is a more important tournament for Chelsea. Liverpool are pretty near the top of the Premier League table. They're not going to need this berth. Chelsea have been struggling for, oh, three or four years. They've been traditionally one of the big six in the Premier League. They're more mid-table of late. This is their only realistic shot at getting to any European competition for next year. They have won five league titles, most recently 2014-15. My betting advice for this one, since you don't know who is going to get started, how seriously either team, particularly Liverpool, is really going to take this, even with it being a final, I just, the world is full of matches to bet on. Look for the sure things and look for mistakes. This one, I think there's, it's just going to be too unpredictable. Match number eight. No matches were quite bright or shiny enough to make our final cut of 10 for Friday. So all three of our final main 10 matches will be on Saturday. The first of them comes from Bulgaria's first league. Now, we did warn you at the beginning of the show, we're going to be covering stuff from leagues big and small. This is sort of a medium-sized one in Europe, actually. They're ranked number 26 uh, within UEFA. That puts them just a shade above average. Only their winners will get to go to the Champions League, and they will have to start all the way back in the first qualifying round. They will send two other teams to the Europa Conference League. They're almost three-quarters of the way through their regular season. That is when the league will divide into three different groups based on the standings. Your matchup, number three, Cherno Morevarna versus number B, CSKA Sofia. They're in a three-way tie for first place. That's why uh, we rarely uh, we rarely look at league stuff that isn't number one versus number B, but since they're all tied, this one's really good. And the two of them are tied on points of the table with number one, Ludogorets Razgrad, who, read the, uh, who lead them right now in goal differential. Seriously, between these two has all gone to the traditional powerhouse in the league, uh, CSKA. 24-6-4 is their record against Cherno More. And they won earlier this season at their own place 1-0. But we'll talk about Cherno More first. They play out of the city of Varna, which is the third biggest city in the country. It is a port city in the east-northeast part of the country. It's the biggest resort town in the country, maybe even in the region. Uh, they've got nearly 350,000 people there. They're known as the Sailors. And uh, they play out of Varna, as I mentioned, Chernomore actually translates directly in Bulgarian to Black Sea. They're in fact owned by uh, some sort of holding company or conglomerate that owns a number of different soccer entities, and they all have something to do with the port for their naming. 
They've won the domestic league title four different times, but none of them in the 2000s. They got to go to the Europa League a couple times in the 2000s, 2015-16, but then also in 2009-2010 when they did their best work and they made the third qualifying round. Last year, they finished in sixth place. This year, their hopes, they're hanging on their offense. They are top three in the league in that regard. Not that the defense is horrible. It's a bit above average. They've only got the fourth best goal differential. I don't see them hanging around uh, with uh, Ludo Goretz and CSKA Sofia. This is a two-horse uh, race generally, if that. Sometimes one of them even puts a lot of distance from the other one. But it's nice to see some new blood up in there with the Sailors. Key players to look for. Tied for number four in league scoring with seven is Atanas Eliev, their striker. He came over from Ascoli, which is a uh, Division II side over in Italy. Tied for number one in assists with seven, Mazire Sula from France, attacking midfielder who came up with La Havre. And then in net with nine clean sheets on the season, that is tied for second best in that regard in the league, Ivan uh, Diolgorov, who has also made four national team appearances since 2022. Pretty young guy, I believe, just 24, 25 years old. Team's current form, uh, their last match was a 3-1 loss to Lodogorets, and that snapped a three-match win streak. And now CSKA Sofia. They're ranked just a little bit outside of the top 100 clubs in all of Europe. Now, uh, whether it's Central or Eastern Europe, anytime you see something that used to be a part of the Soviet Union, you know the CSKA means army. And yes, this is a team that was uh, founded way back in the day under uh, the patronage of that department. Uh, 31 league titles they've won, although uh, while that is the most in the nation's history, and I was surprised. I feel like I usually see them near the top, and my information says that the last one they one was 2007-2008. Hard to believe it's been that long. They made uh, the semifinals of what is now known as the Champions League uh, once each in the 1960s and 1980s. 2021-22, they got to play in the group stage of both the Europa and Europa Conference League. That is their modern best. And then I always like uh, finding interesting names of trophies for some of these teams that have won a lot of them. Back in 1951, they won, and I'm going to include the punctuation because apparently there were a few of these. They won the, quote, Tournament for Stalin's Birthday, comma, Bulgaria. My guess is they must have had those in uh, each of their uh, republics within the Soviet Union. All right, their stats, they are riding hard on their defense. They only give up a little bit over a goal every other match on average. Their defense, or excuse me, their offense rather, is only average in this league. Uh, but that's by ordinal ranking. There's really not much difference between them all. And they're second best in overall goal differential. Tied for third best in league scoring with seven. Still listed there is Duckins Nezon from France. He is their striker who reps internationally for Haiti. So we've seen his name come up in some CONCACAF events, but he's no longer with the team. He just got moved over to Kaiserispor over in Turkey. So they're really going to be leaning on their next best scorer with five on the season. That is Jonathan, uh, Jonathan rather Linseth from Norway. Plays midfielder for them. Tied for number four in assist in the league with six is Amos Yoga. He is from France, uh, plays central midfield with them, represents for Central African Republic. He came over from a kind of yo-yo club over in France between League One and League Two, La Havre. Yeah, they've gotten two or three mentions this show. And then each of these teams, it seems like, has one really good Brazilian because they have a limit on the number of teams or uh, foreign players that can have on their teams. They have chosen a net minder. Number one clean sheets with 11 is Gustavo Busato. He came up with Grêmio back there in Brazil. And this looks like the first time he has ever played outside of his native country. Team's current form, they are 2-0-1 in their last three across all competitions. Match number nine. 
Champions League time, but we're actually headed to Africa for their version of it. It is in its group stage. Uh, groups of four are left, and the top two from each will advance after home and away double round robins all around. Uh, this is match day five, so the uh, penultimate matches for these teams. Uh, the best-looking matchup to me looked like in their group, number B, Young Africans out of Tanzania versus number three, CR, uh, Belouizdad from Morocco. Uh, these two are tied on points. Young Africans won the first match on the road, nil three. Based on the way the tiebreakers work here, if Young Africans can win this match, it doesn't matter what the score is. They will advance, and uh, only a win will do for Bella Weasdad in order for them to advance. But since we've got one more match day after this one, and this is the time of show where my tumbling starts to get a little rumbly, and I'm not kidding, and I think I actually felt it vibrating a bit ago, even though I made sure to snack before the show. We need more reminders of the delicious food out there in the world. At least I do, and so we're going to take a culture break. Yes, culture break occasionally means art, architecture, folklore, mythology, things of that ilk, but most commonly food, and we're going to do that here. And since the match is being held in Tanzania, uh, at the home of young Africans. Let's look at one of the really popular foods from their country. I'm hoping I'm getting the pronunciation right. It's Ugali Daga, D-A-G-A-A, which translates to porridge and sardines. Now, ugali is very common. It is a food staple over there, you know, sort of a starchy, all-purpose uh, carb, if you will, a porridge once again. Uh, sardines are really specific to the country, and it's done in different ways depending on how you are. Because in Tanzania, there are like five different bodies of water, and so, you know, the fishers came from different areas and do things differently. So ugali, it's a really solid carb meal of its own made with coarsely grounded corn or a mix of corn sometimes with cassava flour. And it's eaten throughout the whole country, but different regions incorporate sardines as they're available. The southerners get them from one lake, the westerners get them from another. I'm sure they argue about which ones have the best sardines occasionally. Now, in the capital of Dar es Salaam, which is where young Africans are from, that greater region, uh, you can even find sardines uh, known as daga, I'm going to pronounce it M-C-H-E-L-E, M -C -H -E -L -E, that are from the Indian Ocean. Generally, you will find them uh, fried rather than stewed. Although, I will say, in both Dar es Salaam and an area called Arusha, freshwater sardines specifically tend to be either sun-dried or smoked and then dry-stewed with onion, tomatoes, lime juice, scotch bonnet chilies. I just, I keep finding those in recipes all over the world. The Caribbean, I guess any place the Europeans have colonized, you're going to find this specific chili, it seems like. Uh, various spices uh, that are particularly Indian in origin that you might find in curries, as well as salt. I personally uh, don't have a lot of experience with sardines. Looking at it, uh, this particular picture doesn't look super appetizing. I mean, the Ogala looks great. The sardines look uh, well prepared. I'm an adventurous eater. I would try this, but if you're not a sardine fan, this might be one to shy away from. But at least look it up and check out. It looks absolutely beautiful and interesting. And match number 10. We're done. Finally! Oh, patience, dear one. I'm bringing us back a little bit closer to home, to CONCACAF anyway. We're going to take in a match from the Primera División of Costa Rica. That is the third-ranked league right now in all of CONCACAF. They're still holding off uh, Canada amongst a couple other close ones. The top four teams in this uh, league, by the way, will go to uh, the domestic playoffs. 
The two stage champions, remember, like uh, most Latin American countries, they divide their season annually into two, basically, the Apertura and Clausura stages. The two stage champions, plus the next best two overall in aggregate, will get to go to the international postseason tournament had its inaugural year last year, the Central American Cup. That is a feeder to our Champions League, the CONCACAF Champions Cup. They're almost halfway through the 2023-24 Clausura or closing stage. Your matchup, it's an absolute historic classic from down there. Number B, Alajuelense versus number one, Herediano. They are tied on points. Uh, Alajuelense have had the lead in recent season, accruing a 34-31-24 and 24 record against their rivals. Uh, Alajuela, that is part of what is known there geographically as the Great Conurbation. Uh, effectively, it's part of the much greater, is the way I'll phrase it, San Jose area. They are known as the Lions. Boo. Everybody's the Lions. They are also known as the Big Handed. Okay, I, I can see where a goalie where that would be soccer helpful if there is any other reason for it. Uh, I'm a little bit afraid to ask. We want to keep this family friendly. The team has won at least 30 titles domestically, and they won the Central American Cup last year in its very first year. Uh, So they are in the current CONCACAF Champions Cup. In fact, they're waiting to play Independiente out of Panama or more likely New England out of uh, Major League Soccer course in the round of 16. This year in league play, pretty well balanced, but they're just number five on offense, tied for number four on defense, which in this league, you're giving up less than a goal a game. It's not the most offensively oriented league in the world. They've got the fifth best overall goal differential, but things are pretty tight. This is still one of your powers down there. Key players to look for. Top 10 scorer with nine on them for the year is Dorian Rodriguez. He is a striker, just 21 years old, but he is now... uh, uh, for some reason, on loan with a different team in the country that's not as good, uh, Punta Arenas. Uh, their next best scorer that's helping to carry, the lo- carry some of the load is Johan Benegas. He is also a striker, other end of the soccer age spectrum, at 35 years old. And yes, MLS fans, this is the same guy that played for both Minnesota and Montreal. I'm sure he loved his time uh, further north, but was happy to get back to warmer temperatures from those two locales. Yikes. Teams current form 2-2-0 in their last four. And now Herediano, uh, the uh, township of Heredia, that is just a few miles north of San Jose proper. They are known as the Florists, another one of those unique nicknames I like. Uh, They have won 29 league titles that I found record of. I believe the most recent was the 2021 Apertura stage. They won the CONCACAF League internationally back in 2018. Uh, That's effectively the Central American Cup combined with uh, the new uh, Caribbean Cup. They kind of split those two events up. 2014-15 in the CONCACAF Champions Cup, they made the semifinal, best they've ever done. They are about to play Robin Hood, that was your Caribbean Cup uh, winner this year, out of Suriname in the round of 16. They have been a real surprise because that's not a fully professional league that they're from. they advanced over Toluca 4-4 to four on aggregate, happened to win it on the tiebreaker of away goals. This year, they are tied for first place in defense, giving up just over a goal every other match on average. Defense travels. I like their chances here. Their offense is a little bit better than Alajuelense's, but really not you know, by all that much. They've got the number one overall goal differential. Uh, it's hard for me to not see them getting a result, at least here on the road, if not necessarily a win. Key player to look for, number one in league scoring with 13 is Jesus uh, Godinez. He is a Mexican striker. Team's current form, they have won four straight across all competitions. 
my suggestion for this one, I said that I like Herediano uh, to at least get a draw. Your payoff for a draw is not going to be that great, though. Uh, take the slightest of risks here. I think getting plus 260 for them on the road, which is what I saw on my platform, is quite bueno. Bring forth the bonus matches. You've been taking through the best matches from around the world. Now time for some unique ones, if you will. Our first is a first versus last place match that we dramatically call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. Person who always felt like, even back when she was eight years old, when we first started doing this, that her echo effect was better than mine. I think it's cuter at the very least. Your route of the week or roadkill match is a Wednesday match from the Premier League of Azerbaijan. They are the 27th ranked league in all of Europe. Uh, their winner gets to go to the uh, first qualifying round of the Champions League. They send two teams to the second qualifying round of the Europa Conference League. Equally relevant on the other end of the spectrum, one of the 10 teams here will get relegated. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season. And your matchup. Last place getting to play host. Number 10, Kabbalah, or sometimes it's Gabala with a G instead of a, a Q as it's Romanized and pronounced, versus number one, uh, Karabag, which I've always seen with a Q. Not that that really matters, but Karabag lead two clubs by 18 points in the table. Could that be an advantage for Kabbalah? Well, Karabag maybe fall asleep on this. Uh, Kabbalah, they trail number nine, Kapaz, by eight points. They've got to be feeling desperate um, and desperately need some sort of result out of, of this in a number of matches. Uh, things don't look good for them in, the, in terms of uh, this year. Karabag won 3-0 at their place and 1-2 on the road the first time they played in their quadruple round-robin season. Series between these two has been dominated by the historic power Karabag, 30-11-9. Talk about your last placers first, your probable victims. Koala. That is uh, named for the city in the north central part of the country. Uh, back in 2011, I uh, saw a note that they had about 12,000 people. I don't know what it is today. It's an important area historically. It was the capital of the uh, state of what used to be called uh, many, many moons ago, Caucasian Albania. Uh, it's really an agricultural area and tourism is starting to take over as the number one economic variable in this region. They haven't had a lot of league success necessarily, but they are your defending FA Cup champions. Ooh, yeah. So we always are looking for you know something to pin our hopes on that this team can maybe pull an upset. So, so far, uh, Karabag could fall asleep. And uh, Kabbalah, they do have some recent success. 2000, uh, oh, by the way, they've also been league runners up two different times, most recently 2018. 2015-16, they even got to play in the Europa League and made the group stage. That's the best they've ever done internationally. Last year, they finished in fourth place. So this is a, a really horrible drop for them. They've got the worst offense by far. Two-thirds of a goal per match is uh, all they're really getting. And they've got tied for the worst defense as well. What a little offense they are getting uh, is largely coming from the feet of Bilal Aocharia from France. He plays right winger for them. Uh, he's got five goals on the season. Came up with St. Etienne over in France. Last played for Portuguese uh, mid-table team Gil Vicente. I was trying to think of an equivalent for them in England. I think that they are the, I think Gil Vicente is the Portuguese Crystal Palace. Neither here nor there. Uh, tied for number three to assist with a half dozen on the season is Ayub Alak 
from Belgium. He plays midfielder for them. And U.S. fans, you got a shot at remembering him. He never played in Major League Soccer, but he did play for the reserve team, which is now in uh, MLS Next Pro of Kansas City. It's called Swope Park Rangers. So there's a fun little connection here to the States. Team's current form, not as fun. 0-1-4 in their last five. And now your victors in waiting almost certainly, Carabag. They are the 57th ranked team in all of Europe and are known as the Horsemen. They've got one of these uh, wild crests that I never know what to make of. Uh, when they feature horses, for some reason, they tend to be up on their feet, which is a heraldic pose. But when you do what they've done, and is fairly common, and uh, juxtapose those right against some interior shape like a soccer ball or a circle surrounding a soccer ball, it looks like the horses are... Well, having their way with the interior portion of the crust. And I think that's the most diplomatic yet accurate way that I can put that. It always creeps me out just a little bit. This club has a very interesting modern history. Officially, they represent and are originally from a place called Agadam, but that is a ghost city. It's been abandoned because of the first Nagorno-Karabakh uh, war. They, I won't go into the details of that. You can use your own Google machine to look up the particulars of that war from like the 80s and 90s, but they now are forced to play in the capital city of Baku. Uh, they're fairly popular there and all over the country just because they're the really one representative body or still tie, if you will, that's evident in the country to this particular region back when it was inhabited. Hopefully someday that can be the case again. They've won 10 league titles. Uh, they are your two-time defending champions. 2017-18, they even made the group stage of the Champions League. They're in the Europa League right now. And they're about to have a very tough matchup uh, with a uh, German uh, undefeated team, uh, Bayer Leverkusen. Domestically, they've got the number one offense by a landslide, by a factor of one and a half times, almost two and a half goals per match, second best defensive well, number one goal differential by a factor of better than seven. There is no other team of real note in this league, at least not right now. Key players to look for from them. The number one scorer by 50% more than anybody else with 15 is Juninho, Brazilian forward. He last played for uh, Chaves over in Portugal and came up with Brazilian side uh, Parana Inse. Number one in assists in the league with nine, that is Leandro Andrade. He is a Portuguese attacking midfielder who actually represents internationally for Cape Verde. He's got his parents are both from there. He's made a half dozen national team appearances there. Team's current form, they are two one and one across all competitions in their last four. Could you be the most meaningless match in the world? Yes, you could. You're so boring. We didn't get to Asia in our main 10 matches, but we're not going to overlook a really interesting game from over there. Although I suppose I could put interesting in air quotes here because it is the most meaningless match of the world. We, we are celebrating in song and with mini preview, two teams more or less in the middle of their table, equidistant from the glory of finishing at the top of the league or from getting relegated out of their league. We're headed to Vietnam, the V League One. This is a Tuesday match. That is the 14th ranked league in Asia, so they're well within the uh, top third of the Asian coefficients. The winner will not get to go to the Champions League, though. They are going to get to go to uh, what is now called the AFC Cup. It will now be known as the Champions League 2 going forward. I think they should have gone with Champions League number B. Uh, one of the 14 teams will get relegated. Another one right above them will have to fight for their lives in a relegation playout match. 
But the important thing to know for this match, this match is that these two teams don't really have to worry about it. They're, uh, they're probably about halfway through or so. And your matchup, they were a little bit closer in the table than they are now, but still pretty meaningless. Number seven, Ho Chi Minh City, when I first scouted it, versus number four, Bin Din. Uh, Bin Din, they lead Ho Chi Minh City by seven points. They trail number one, Nam Din, by three points in the table. Meanwhile, Ho Chi Minh City, they lead number 13, Khan Ho, by five points. A uh, series between these two has been a relatively brief one. Uh, ben Din have been undefeated. 3-1-0 is their record against their host today. And let's talk about the host first, Ho Chi Minh City. They are known as the Red Battleship. Love it. Uh, they were known as Kang Saigon. Supporters a few years back were so upset with the name change that they largely stopped supporting the team. Uh, they must have hit the finances uh, pretty quickly because the team ended up getting demoted for before bouncing back up. They have won five league titles. The most recent one, uh, it's been a minute, 2001-2002. 2020, they were getting to play in the AFC Cup group stage when that was canceled because of COVID. Last year, they finished in 13th place. Uh, this year, the trouble is on offense. They're only getting one goal per match, but they do have a defense well in the top half of the league. They're barely giving up more than a goal uh, per game on average. Tied for number six on goal differential. They're going to finish in the middle. Key player for them on the scoring leaderboard with three is Chick Timmy Tay from the Ivory Coast. Timmy. I don't know why I just suddenly thought of that Timmy Tay. Uh, he plays a winger for them. Uh, he last played for French League 2's Valenciennes, interestingly. Team's current form, they have lost three straight. Uh, Binden, they're a substantially better team, even though they're fairly close to the table. Uh, they play out of Quay Nyan, which is in the Binden province for which the club is named. It's got maybe a half a million people in the city. It's a South Central Port City. If you've got garden furniture, deck stuff, and it was made in this country, pretty good chance this is where it was made. A lot of that industry, very specifically, is right here. Kind of a fun fact for you. Twice in this league, they have been as high as number three. That was in 2022, most, re most recently. Twice they've been champions of the Vietnamese second division. They won that trophy and came back up after the 2020 season. 2004-2005, both times they got to play the AFC Champions League group stage, but between those two appearances, they only won a singular match. Last year, they finished in seventh place. This year, they're decently well-balanced. I don't think they're likely to slide too far, even if they're not going to international competition by any means. Top three offense, top four defense. Uh, tied for number three in league scoring with six is Alan Grafite, another Brazilian. Each of these teams, they've got a limit on the number of players like a lot of countries do that they can have from foreign countries. And so everybody stocks up on a Brazilian or two, and he plays striker for them. Team's current form, they're 4-0-1 in their last five. You should be able to find uh, betting pretty easily for this at a lot of uh, main platforms out there. Bend in minus 110, even they're all, though they're on the road, you know, that's fine. They're 3-1-0, as I mentioned, all time against this team. We've saved all of our bile and vitriol for the number 13 appropriately match, the third bonus match, your final one of the podcast. This is the fresh hell that is the match of Disappointed! And there's not enough Herculean scoring in the world for two teams like these at the bottom of their table. We're not going very far for this Tuesday match. After all, I travel a great deal just for a match of Disappointed. Hey, still interesting to get to know these teams before they potentially disappear. And I emphasize that word for a reason. You'll find out why momentarily. India, the Super League, it is ranked number 18 in the ball of AFC. That's in the top third of the coefficients there. No thanks to these two sad sack bottom feeders. Fortunately for them, 
There's no relegation for them right now. So we're going to be stuck with them next year somehow, unless either of them do the courtesy of just rebranding or resolving. We don't really hope for that, but we get to know them for a reason. It's fun to make fun of them, though. They're almost three quarters of the way through the season here. And your matchup is number 12, last place, Hyderabad versus number 11, Punjab. Punjab lead Hyderabad by 10 points, yet somehow they only managed to draw against them at home, 1-1 earlier this season. Uh, Hyderabad, yeah, they're putting the bad in football right now. That city that for which they're naming is in the south-central part of India, uh, probably about 10 million people there. Uh, historically, this is known as the pearl capital of India. One of their uh, more modern main economic factors right now, they're getting really well known in the region for biotech and pharma. I love their nickname. They are known as the Deccan Legion. I don't know if Decca was the name of a state or just sort of a historical region, but I know the major geographic feature that helps define this area the, is the Deccan Plateau. The club is a young one, as a lot of these are. They were founded in 2019. They replaced the recently collapsed team called uh, Pune City. Uh, their current head coach, interestingly, I think this has to have a lot to do with why they're doing so badly. Uh, their head coach or the guy that they want to be their head coach doesn't yet have the proper license to be able to do that uh, from uh, FIFA or the AFC one or the other. So they're having to use an interim manager here for part of the season while he gets that short up, not serving them well so far, given where they are. Uh, they've only won one regular season title, although I guess that's unexpected. They haven't been around that long. That's 2021-22 where they managed that. Last year, they were runners-up in the league, and they made it to the domestic playoff semifinals. Yeah, this has been a really, uh, really horrific fall for them. They are winless on the year. Worst offense by miles. They're barely getting more than a goal one out of every three matches. Worst defense in the league as well. Worst goal differential by better than a factor of two. They're going to wish they could go down to the I-League. Rather than looking for a good player off this team, kind of fun to look for the MDP, most disappointing player. Um, I'm going to call that amongst their starters, Makan Winkle Chote. Winkle for the middle name? Really? All right. Attacking midfielder. He's got no goals, no assists. Not much attacking going on there. Uh, I think the powers that be need to make a <laughs> change in the way they're labeling him. He's just a lazy midfielder. Team's current form, they have lost 10 straight matches. And now Punjab, this is the team that you might have predicted to finish in last place. Uh, they play out of the state of Punjab. The city's name is Mahali. It's the IT hub of this northern state. They've got about 175,000. At least that's what they did about a decade ago. Uh, it's a larger metro area than that, though. It's contiguous with a city called uh, Chandigarh. Interestingly, this is not a uh, this is not a Hindu majority city. It is a Sikh majority city, if not by leaps and bounds. They are known as the Shurs, which I thought maybe is short for Sherpa. I had to do a little looking. It's Indian, British, English, and it can refer to both a lion or a tiger. I wonder why it's applicable to both. It's not like they're the same animal. Very interesting. Uh, this is a young club as well, founded in 2020. Uh, last year, they got promoted from the I-League. That's why I would have thought that they were going to finish in last place. Uh, they still don't have much of an offense, to be honest. They only get one goal per match. Their defense is a little bit better, but not much. They're tied for ninth in overall goal differential. They're not getting relegated, but they're not going to climb very far either. Their most disappointing player of the season has been their goalkeeper, Ravi Kumar. He's only got a single clean sheet. Yeah, this is a tear running down my cheek. Uh, save percentage is only 53%. How does this guy not have a job? Just throw somebody else over, over six feet tall. 
my goodness, in there. He's also only got a 48% passing accuracy percentage. That is not something you can live with out of the back that close to net. My goodness. Team's current form, uh, their loss at home versus number six, team new favorite, Jam Shedpour, snapped a actual 2-1-0 stretch for them. So credit where it's due, they had been winning a little bit. But rather than wishing them good luck or good fortune, even with credit where it was due for one of the two teams, we will, as always, heckle them away in our traditional fashion. Suffer, fools! It was bad! It was awful! I was terrible! Heckle away! Hey, boo! Boo! Good job, Muppets. No, 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 not you, them, those Waldorf and Stadler. Anyway, that puts a wrap on episode number 176 of Soccer Noob Rocket America featuring Countdown Girl Person Noob. Thank you very much to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry. No thank you at all to my cats, my ginger ale. Thank you also very much to he who is known as Dan, the former Turno Inferno, whose creative efforts and inspirations as always remain on fire. And thanks to person noob. Mwah. Love you so much. Thank you for helping with the countdown duties. I know it's always hard these days being that you're in middle school uh, to get you in here on the recording sessions. We do what we can. And of course, thank you to you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it and that you'll consider passing us along to your footy-minded friends. Until we can do it again in a few days, have yourself a fabulous footy week. Take care. Adjectiveness? What am I doing? <laughs>